You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Very happy to be here and as Tyler was saying, actually it's true, I was thinking, okay, Saturday's graduation, then that's it, it's finished, I'm free, I'm an ex-student, no one will ask me anything, but no, Eliana came to me and she told me, would you like to preach? And I say yes, I say yes, of course, I'm very happy to be here and to be able to share with you something. I want to uh, mention uh, the girls that um, testified before. They said, I want to share with you our like, final words, our uh, final encouragements uh, that we want to leave you. And I want to do kind of the same thing, but not my own words. Some final words of Jesus. Some of the final words that he left for us. Um, you know, in John 17, uh, from verse 20, we, we read what Jesus prayed before he was being, going to be arrested. I want to give you a bit of context before reading actually the passage. So Jesus knew, of course, that they were going to arrest him and to crucify him. He was going to die. And he wanted to make sure that his disciples could capture some final thoughts, some final recommendations that they could keep really in their mind and in their heart and pass on unto us. But what is even more interesting about this passage is that Jesus doesn't speak just to his disciples, but in a specific part of this prayer, he mentions all of us because he prays for those who will believe in, my, in me through the apostles' message. And that is us. Because if we are here today and if we believe in Jesus, it's thanks to what the apostles uh, wrote in this book, it's thanks to what the apostles wrote in the Bible. So basically, if you think about it, in that moment, Jesus was, was thinking exactly about us. He was not praying for his disciples, but he was praying for me and you. And this is already something amazing if you think about it. So let's read in John 17 from verse 20. Uh, I will read just a portion of this prayer. All of it is amazing, but I want to focus on something in particular. From verse 20 to verse 23. He prays, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that is us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they, they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I think that the main message that here Jesus was praying about is clear. He was praying about unity. He was praying, uh, you know what, believers of all ages, you need to be one. This is what he was saying. So, what is unity? I went to look in the dictionary just to find, like, I, I, know, I think we all know what is unity, but just sometimes it's good to focus on the real meaning of words. So among all the definitions that I found, I want to read you this one. Uh, unity is the arrangement of the elements in a work of art in accordance with a single overall design or purpose. I want to read it again. Unity is the arrangement of the elements in a work of art in accordance with a single overall design or purpose. 
some other definitions are unity is the state of or quality of being one, of forming a whole from separate parts, is mutual agreement, harmony or concord. Basically, unity goes against the laws of mathematics. I know that there is at least one mathematician among us, but maybe even more. And we all know, but I mean, we don't need to be mathematicians to know that one plus one equals two. Right? <laughs> but here what Jesus is saying is kind of going against this. He's saying one plus one, actually plus one plus one plus one plus one equals one. This is what we need to be today. We are all uh, different people, but we need to be united in the same body. Now we will see how to, to go in this journey together. But first of all, I want to give you another couple of examples that we find in the Bible about the, import, the, about the meaning, the real meaning of unity. We read about the Trinity in the Bible, even if this word is never mentioned, but we need about God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three, but we know that they are one. They are three different persons. They are three, uh, they have, like, let's say that they, um, um, they relate to men maybe in three different ways, at least in the Bible we see them in three different ways, but they are one in purpose. They have the same mind and they face the same final objective. Another example that maybe is closer to us is marriage. We know that in marriage we have husband and we have wife, and they are two different persons. But the Bible tells us that once they, go to, they come together, once they are married, they become one. And they have the, the, their same mindset, the same purpose, and they should live, according to the Bible, with the same direction. That is to glorify God, of course. Um, so once we have at, at least understood a bit what unity is about, uh, I thought, why Jesus is praying about unity? Because, of course, he knows that is not something natural for us, human, humanly speaking. Even the disciples, you think that even the disciples who spent all that time together with Jesus, many times show a spirit of selfishness, of competition, of disunity. Of disunity. And Jesus knows that even for us today, many times, we are looking just for our personal interest. And even if we don't say it out loud, we are egoistic, we are egocentric, and many times we feel better or superior to others, let's say. And even when we pray, many times we focus just on ourselves and on our own needs, and not on the needs of the others. This is not being one. And I don't want to say this like accusing anybody because I'm saying this to myself. It's our natural tem temperament, our natural character. But Jesus wants us to go a step further, wants us to go beyond. So, yes, I want to start by putting the foundation. With, because it's always good, you know, actually, we all know that when we are building something, even in like building a house, the first thing to put is the foundation. If the foundation is right, all the building will be stable. If the foundation is the wrong one, everything will fall apart. It's very simple as I thought. So let's put together the right foundation. We find the foundation of Christian unity, the basis of Christian unity, in Ephesians 1.10. I will read it for you. Basically, in Ephesians 1, it's all a praise to God. The Apostle Paul writes, praise be to God for a lot of things. And then he says, uh, praise be to God, because he made known to us the mystery of his will, that is, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
So this is the foundation. First point, the foundation is Jesus Christ. We cannot be united for any other reason. And actually, I want to tell you something else. If we are united for any other reason, it's very dangerous. The Bible tells us about it. In the book of Genesis, chapter 11, there is the famous story of the Tower of Babel. In that moment, people were united because they had the same language and they came together with the same purpose, but was the wrong purpose. They came together not to glorify God, not to put Jesus at the center, but they came, the Bible says, uh, with the motivation that was, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Basically, they wanted to glorify themselves. And what happened, we all know about it. God looks down from heaven, he, saw, he sees what man was doing, and he destroys the tower and he scatters all the people around the earth. Why? Because they were doing it with the wrong motivation, with the wrong foundation. So we can learn from the mistakes of others. Let's not build unity upon uh, wrong motivation, but let's build it on Jesus. Remember that we have the same Father and the same Spirit is in us. This is all together with the fact of Jesus, the foundation of our unity. We have the same assurance of salvation through faith in Jesus. We have the same future hope of eternal life. We have the same commission and life's purpose, through, to, though it is accomplished in different ways. We are part of the same family, of the same nation, of the same body, of the same household. The Bible speaks a lot about we are all part of the same thing. So, yeah, I think it's, it's quite clear. This is the foundation. We cannot build on anything different from it. Okay, now the foundation is set. We have to build something upon it. But before building something, after the foundation, it's good to know the purpose. Because if we don't know the purpose, what are we going to build? And actually, I want to give you another example. You know, I don't know how many of you practice any kind of sport or any kind of activity that needs a bit of constance. We all know that without knowing the purpose why we are doing something, probably we will stop. For example, let's, let's make it clear. Let's say that I'm playing football. I'm not. Let's say <laughs> I'm not a great football player at all. Uh, let's say that I'm, I want to be a football player. But I know that in order to become a football player, I need to exercise. And not once a month or when it happens. I need to be constant. Every week, more than once per week, I need to exercise. And you know what? Even when I don't feel like, even when I feel tired, even when I want to do something else, I need to do it. But I will not do it if I don't keep in mind the purpose that is to become a football player. The same is for our Christian life. If we don't keep in mind the purpose of why we are doing basically what we are doing, we will fail, we will give up because it's too hard. So coming back to our message about unity, which is the purpose why we have to be united? Once again, coming back to our passage that we read in John 17, Jesus tells us very clearly which is the purpose. We read it in verse 21, that through unity we can show Christ to the world. This is the purpose, and it's a great purpose, I think. I mean, if you remember the word of Jesus, of course you remember them, in the Great Commissions, he say, go and make disciples. So this is our greatest calling, our greatest purpose, but Jesus is also telling us, you cannot accomplish it if you are not united. 
you have to be one so that you can show myself and God the Father to the world. The world, guys, we know that people around us cannot see God. Cannot, they, if they don't believe in God, they cannot see it. But they can see us, the body of believers. And the Bible tells us clearly that by seeing that we are one in this supernatural way, they can actually, in a certain sense, become, uh, begin to understand who God is and begin to perceive something about God. Think about it. Jesus in that moment didn't say, okay, uh, through your um, up-to-date preachings, you will show the world about who I am. Through your big events, you will show the world about who I am. He didn't say, okay, you have always to be relevant so that people don't get bored and they will know who I am. I'm not saying that these things are wrong at all. I'm just saying, let guys not forget about the foundation. If we are not united, we can organize all the beautiful events, we can be up to, date, up to date, we can be relevant, we can be what you want, but we will not reach the purpose because we are not following the instructions of Jesus. Um, we read also in John 13, verse 34 and 35, that Jesus says something similar to what he prays in, in the other passage that we read before. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, listen carefully, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Is it not similar to what we just said? He's saying, love one another and the people will see that you are followers of me. And in the end, they can become also disciples themselves. So we can see really that there is power in being one. Jesus also says, when two or three of you come together with the same mindset and pray to me, having the same thing in their mind, I will answer. Why? Once again, because there is power in being one. There is power in coming together, having at the center Jesus Christ, and do something really with this in mind. There is power. And Jesus wrote it, so why shouldn't we believe in him? Okay, so coming back to our building, we have laid the foundation, we know the purpose why we have, we have to build something on this foundation, now let's build something. How do we do it? How do we build? Very quickly I want to share with you the last point. So, I was reading in the Bible and asking God, how do we build this unity? How do we create this unity? Because it's not something natural, so we have maybe to do something. I was reading, and in Ephesians 4.3, I read these words. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is one side. There are two sides. This is the first side. So, The first side is make every effort. We have to do something. We are believers, but it's not that as soon as we believe in Jesus, everything is new. should be, but not everything comes naturally in the first moment. We need to work. We need to, uh, to put all our, all our effort to become one. We need to maybe remove some barriers, even among believers. Let's be sincere. Sometimes, sometimes we put barriers among us and other people, maybe because we don't understand them, or maybe we, because we think that maybe they are not so good people, and so we put some barriers. Maybe because they have some different ways to do things and we think that they are wrong. So, yes, maybe we greet them, that's it. 
but then we go away, we, we never think about those people. But this is not being one, this is not being one body. So there is something that we need to do, and this is a part of our Christian journey. We need to put all our effort to see the others as Jesus sees them. And as, as I will share after, this has also been part of my journey in ABTI, because in ABTI you understand that we are different, really. But I will tell you something about it later, I don't want to spoil anything now. So, just to, finish, to quickly finish this point, we've said that the first way to build unity is by uh, putting our own effort, but that's not the end of all. I mean, as in all our Christian life, we cannot reach things just by doing something good. We can work all our life, but we will never reach something, because we need balance. So on one side there is our part, on the other side there is the Holy Spirit working in us. We need the Holy Spirit. Without His power in us, without His work in our life, we cannot reach anything good. And I want to read another passage with you that is very, very well known. It's uh, in Galatians 5, verse 22-23, is the so well-known fruit of the Spirit. Why I want to speak with you about this? Because the fruit of the Spirit is what the Holy Spirit produces in our life once we allow Him to work in us. And in this passage we read that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I think it's quite clear where I want to go. Like, as, as long as we let the Holy Spirit work in our life, and as long as we allow the Holy Spirit also to uh, be manifested through our life, we will be able to be united among ourselves. Because basically what this passage says is that living by the Spirit and letting His fruit grow in us will allow us to be loving with one another. And this is good in order to be one. Will allow, allow us to live in peace with others by showing forbearance, showing kindness, showing goodness, gentleness, all these things that I've read are all qualities that will help us to be one. And these are some things that we cannot develop in ourselves alone. We need really the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to be one with God so that we can be one with one another. So coming back to my, uh, my personal example, I think that all IBTI students and ex-students, former students, uh, I don't know if I'm a student or a former student actually, anyway, maybe former, whatever. So all of you who have been through IBTI know the kind of struggle that you face once you put your first foot inside that door. So you start to see people that are so different. So you start to think, where am I? And, for, and first of all, why did I come here? <laughs> I mean, Adam was much better. I was in my comfort zone. I was with people who did the things that I do, probably. And I knew, anyway, how people relate to me and how to relate to people. Here I am, with people that don't speak my language with people from a different culture, a different background, different age. Some people are married, some people just came out from high school. Can you think about it? People did already 15 years of working. People never work for one day in their life. People are converted since 20 years, and people got converted three months ago, okay? Then winter comes. So after the first few months, winter comes, and you see the extremes. So you see those 
that have four layers of jumpers upon them and hat and the scarf and the gloves and they are like this with the radiator and still what you hear them saying is I am cold I am so cold I cannot survive and then the other extreme you see those who are going out in flip-tops and t-shirts and everything is fine so, so you think come on what is happening here in England then you go to the chapel and you think, okay, guys, at least in the chapel everything will be normal. We are not out at any chapel, everyone is here to worship God, so... No, it's even worse, guys. <laughs> in the chapel you have again the two extremes. So there are those who enter, you don't even hear them entering in the chapel. They enter like this, they start to pray, they don't move a muscle, they start to pray, they are in connection with God, in their peace, that surrounds them and they are like paralyzed for all the time. Then there, are the, there is the other extreme. There are, there, there are those who enter and you hear them entering. They remove all the chairs because they need space. They start to shout, to clap their hands, to move, to dance. And you are like, eh? What is happening here? God, are you sure that we are all believers? Yes, I tell you, all the people that do these kind of things are believers. So, uh, now I was joking, but really, it's not easy in the beginning, because you have to, to struggle with this. If you come from a particular background, you see other people doing different things from you, and you think, am I wrong, or are they wrong? I think I believe in God, so what do they do? Do they believe in the same God? I think I know how to worship God. But what do they do? Are they really worshipping God? You start to question a lot of things. And as I said before, it's not always easy. You have to make your own effort to work on yourself and on the barriers that you're putting. But you also need to let the Holy Spirit work in you and reveal you, reveal you that they are normal, basically. That they are worshipping the same God and that what unites you is not your way to worship, is not if you are cold or if you are uh, hot always, is not if you come from Africa or from uh, Thailand. Uh, what unites you is really having the same Father, the same God in heaven, the same hope. And this is what, this is what I want to leave you, not just for BTI students. I think you all got the point. We are all believers and we are all part of the same body. I don't want to repeat myself again. Just, I want to leave you with this last thought. Think about it. If there is one, only one purpose that we have to reach in life is to follow the great commission of Jesus, go and make disciples. I'm not saying about everyone needs to be missionary. I'm, say, I'm speaking about go and make disciples. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, you cannot um, you have to be obedient to Jesus and follow his commandment. Go and make disciples. But I want to add something, a pre precisation, I don't know. I, don't want, I want to add something to this thing. It's not about you, single person, you go and make disciples, and then you, single person, you are called and you go and make disciples, and then you go and make disciples. Here what Jesus is saying is you go and make disciples. You as a body, you as one body, you create connections with other people and you all together, you go and make disciples. Christian life is not for lone rangers, it's not for single person building their own church and building their own disciples. It's about being a body, 
with all ministry gifts, with different callings, different things, being different, but still having the same purpose and working together with one another. Let's follow what Jesus told us. It's not impossible. If not, he would have not prayed uh, about it. I mean, it would have been frustra frustrating for us and would have been a waste of time for him to pray for us in this way. If he prays, and he says that we can be one, as he and the Father as one, it means that it's possible. So let's really not forget about this and let's follow what Jesus told us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.